Good morning. My, it's a little high up here. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. It's wonderful to see everybody. It really is. And my, it really is. It's the first time I've preached since COVID with people. That's in a sense, it's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, there's people online. Hallelujah. Online for those online. But actually to see physical people, it's wonderful. And uh, I just, just to piggyback off what Clayton said, I know God called us and... Um, and uh, that's the gracious, gracious, gracious hand of God upon our lives. But we could not have done what has happened without people. There were people that we arrived, that came here, that embraced us. They really embraced us. They still have embraced us. And, um, <coughs> dear, <laughs> and it would have been impossible without those people. I know God is God. I understand that. But he brings and puts people around you. And it's a team that does what is happening. Each with their own different giftings, each with their own different callings, and each with their own different expressions. Amen. So I just want to say that. So, but it is a privilege. It really is. Come in, I thought, America, when we arrived here, uh, you speak a similar language to us back in South Africa. I know you say last instead of last. I understand that and stuff like that. But it took me three years to get used to this culture. It did. It took me three years, I have to be honest. And I'll tell you a little funny story. Back in South Africa, we have what we call a braai. We call it here a barbecue. But when you have a barbecue, a braai, back in South Africa, I mean, it is packed with meat. It's packed. All kinds. Chicken, chops, steak, uh, whatever. It's packed because South Africans are big meat eaters. So when we got here and somebody invited us to a braai barbecue, I said, oh, that's wonderful. And when we got there, they, uh, this wonderful couple, there were crabs. And I said to Michelle, they started with crabs. Imagine what the barbecue is going to be like. <laughs> Imagine this. So anyway, it was wonderful. And then I saw them fire up the barbecue and they put some uh, hot dogs, hot dogs, and some burger patties on it, and I thought, that's great. They're feeding the kids. Wonderful. Great idea. Great idea. And then, so I didn't eat. I was waiting for the barbecue, if you understand. So eventually, I went and asked somebody a little later. I said, when are we having the barbecue? They said, oh, no, we've had it. I said, oh, okay, all right. Okay. I had to learn some stuff. <laughs> it's just different cultures, different things. That's all, so... But it was, it's wonderful. Anyway, I have the distinct privilege of just bringing the word this morning. But before I do that, I just want to thank this couple and we honor this Kevin and Katie. They've been away. And uh, we had the grandkids. And so you've got to find stuff for grandkids to do, particularly two boys. Have you noticed with kids, they don't walk anywhere. They run everywhere. <laughs> And <laughs> it's just an amazing, the energy. You're watching for five minutes and I want to go sleep. <laughs> but anyway, so we asked Kevin and Katie, they were away on a vacation. Can we go use their house, not their house, but their pool? They said, by all means, and well, the house is open. And oh, gee, that's wonderful. So we actually ended up their place twice this week. Twice, because you tire the kids out, you see, when they swim. <laughs> so when night comes, you actually sleep, if you understand what I'm saying. But I just want to honor you and thank you. And I just felt as I looked across to you this morning, I felt God say, you have open hands, you have an open house, and you have open lives. And I felt God say, because of that, I will fill 
all three of those areas. I will fall those areas because you have open hands, you have an open house, and you have open lives to him. Just to encourage you. All right, so good. What I want to do today, if I may, if I'm able to, I want to talk on biblical salvation. Biblical salvation. That's what I want to talk on. It's such a misunderstanding about that word salvation in the Bible. And many people would think that salvation just consists of the forgiveness of my sins and me going to heaven. That's a small, small part of it. Very small part of it. Our sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven, but it's far bigger. The word in the Bible, in the New Testament, encompasses far more than that. It's far larger. It's far bigger. And so in Romans chapter 116, and the scriptures will come up on the back, I trust, it says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for all those that believe. The next scripture is Philippians 2, and I might have given it to you in the wrong order. I'm not going to quote the whole thing. 2, 12, 13, it says this. Part of it says this. For it's God, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act and do according to His good pleasure or purpose. Work out your salvation. Don't work for it. Work it out. It's a free gift. And everything I want to talk about today, in a sense, is a free gift. But God wants us to partner with Him. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God. It is God. It's not Ken. It's God who works in you to will and to act and to do according to His good purpose or His good pleasure. Isn't that amazing? And the songs, the worship that Jane sang, or those, those, that free worship, those prophetic songs, is literally what I'm preaching. And she doesn't know what I'm preaching. It's amazing. It really is. It's a free gift. It's ama- it really is. And then Hebrews chapter 2, and if I didn't give them chapter 1, and if you go to Hebrews, if you go to the book of Hebrews, um, to co- give you a context to chapter 2, you actually have to go to chapter 1. And I'm sorry, I didn't give it to the guys at the back there. So I just want to, because then it makes more sense if you read it this way. Hebrews. Hebrews 1.1. It says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son. Now if you go to chapter 2, Therefore, verse 1, some Bibles say, therefore, some just say, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels, and that was the rest of chapter 1, that the writer to Hebrews is saying how Jesus is greater than the angels. And in the Old Testament, the angels came and brought a lot of messages to the prophets. God's messages. And he's saying, how much more the Son that is spoken, the Son that has come, who's greater than angels. And so he's saying, if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation disobedience received his just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore, ignore such a great, great salvation? I love that word, great salvation, because it is a great salvation. It's a great salvation. Amen. 
And this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him, and God testified through signs, wonders, miracles, etc., etc. So it's a great salvation. And that would be my message. This is a great, great salvation. It really is. So the word salvation includes and encompasses more than what we just think. Not just my sins are forgiven, I'm going to heaven. (sighs) When Jesus became a reality to me in my life, I didn't understand all this. And over the years, God opens up the word to you and opens up the revelation to you. I came from a background, I was a first-generation Christian. So if I can say to you, if you're first-generation Christians, particularly out of that song we sang, you will fight some battles, but that's okay. Because your generation after you is going to walk in that in a lot easier way. But they're going to fight some battles for their next generation. Because God will reveal certain things to this first generation that you're going to have to work with and fight for to establish, then the generation coming after that work just walks in it a lot because you fought a battle for it. You understand what I'm trying to say? And then God brings greater revelation to them, and that's how it goes. So if you're a first-generation Christian, hallelujah, first-generation Christians, bless you, bless you. Hang in there. Don't give up. Okay, you're fighting some battles not just for yourself but for your generations to come. You have to understand it because that's how God sees it. Are you with me? And so I didn't have a church background, for those many of you know this, for those who don't. I didn't go to church as a young person back in South Africa. We never went to church. Never. I went to church maybe once. That was to get married to my wife. Sorry, the Sunday before. The guy said, if you want me to marry, you've got to come to church. So I went on the Sunday. The Saturday I got married. He never saw me again. <laughs> Bless his heart, whoever he may be. I understand that. Bless his heart. So I had no context, no understanding. I didn't understand denomination. I didn't understand that. I'd, we'd never read a Bible. We'd never, I mean, it's hard to, but that's fact. It's fact. So I just got involved in life. But when Christ took hold of my life, it was radical for me, radical. He turned my life upside down. And it wasn't me. It was him. He rescued me. But there was a process, and I nearly preached on that this morning. How can we recognize God at work in a person's life? Because the key to your Christian walk, and even those coming to know the Lord, is recognizing the activity of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and then partnering with that. Don't run ahead. Don't lag behind. Partner with that. Because the whole of the Christian walk has to be by the power of the Spirit. Has to cannot be man-made. It cannot be man-worked out. So we've got to cooperate, co-work with. You understand what I'm saying? And so I just fell in love with Jesus. That's all that happened when I got saved. But I had no theology, no understanding. And then God had to bring it. And I find as he brought it, it brought establishment in me. It brought a foundation in me that I could stand on. So even if things came and went in my life, this helped me stand. I'm just saying that to help you. And so salvation started to unfold for me. So if you read through the, Old, the New Testament, the word salvation is actually four tenses in the New Testament. And it's this. It's the past perfect tense. I have been saved from the pleasure of sin. Repentance. 
the past tense, I was saved from the penalty of sin, justification. The present tense, I am being saved from the power of sin, sanctification. The future tense, I shall be saved from the presence of sin, glorification. That's the word salvation. Amen. It's a wonderful, in the Old Testament, there's a wonderful picture of this. And I remember the year, the year God revealed this one scripture to me. I remember on a Friday morning back in South Africa, I was leading a church and I had a preach on Sunday. And all those who preach often, you'll know what I'm talking about. Lord, what, what, help, help, help. You know, if you don't understand what I'm saying. Because you want to be able to preach something that's real. And this scripture, Deuteronomy 6.23, where basically it says this, Moses is telling the people of Israel, he said, God brought you out to take you in. God brought you out to take you in. So if we think salvation is just taking us out of our sin, God says, no, no, it's far more than that, Ken. I want to take you into all that I have for you. I want you to walk into everything I have for you, not just take you out of your sin, out of the bondage. Amen. That's why I love that picture. So Paul puts it this way in Romans 5, 9 and 10, and I haven't written it down in my notes, so I have to turn there. It'll come up on the back. So you just, when I've got to turn to Scripture, it helps me calm down because I get a little excited. So, so bear with me. Romans 5, oops, Romans 5, 9 and 10. This is how Paul puts it. I love this scripture. Since we have now been justified, saved by his blood, how much more, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, that's sins forgiven, going to heaven, reconciled, okay, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Isn't that an amazing scripture? So Paul is saying, yes, you've been reconciled. Your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven. But how much more, how much more will you be saved by his resurrection life that is inside you? How much more? How much more are you going to go into? How much more are you going to experience? How much more are you going to see? That is just the start, as you say. So that's what I so I trust and believe that as you adhere to Jesus, not only for the death he died to redeem us, but also for the life he lives and he wants to live in us and through us. And this scripture, Romans 5, 9 and 10, actually became a greater reality to me in this country. I'll never forget it. It's amazing how some scriptures, I'll never forget the morning. This just stood out at me. I'd read it many times, but wow. And I felt like God is saying, that's what I want to do with this church. How much more? How much more? So, Titus 1 says, don't turn to it. I didn't give in. Titus 1 says, God as Father purposed our salvation before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Before he formed the world, the earth, the planets, he purposed our salvation. Isn't that amazing? 
Galatians 4 says this, God as Son provided our salvation in the fullness of time. The Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus came. John 16, God as Holy Spirit wants to perfect in the believer all that God purposed and all that the Son provided. And I feel for me, these, this, this, what I'm trying to talk on, is summed up in two wonderful truths that John the Baptist said. How far can I walk on the side here? Sorry. Up to the speakers. Okay, all right. No, sorry. I just now we can't, so that people online can see us. Where John the Baptist said, the lamb, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's a simple statement, but there's a lot in it. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power. Those two simple statements, for me, sum up everything in totality of the ministry of Jesus Christ, that he came to die for you and I. Now, there's two simple statements, but there's a tremendous amount of truth in those two statements. It's not one or the other. It's one and the other. It's two sides to one coin. The Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, and he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power. Amen. So, let me stick to my notes. The Word tells us heaven is a place. But what makes that place heavenly is the presence of the King of that place, the Lord of that place, Jesus Christ. So God's gracious purpose is not just to give us a free ticket to that place, but His purpose is to bring the atmosphere and the government and the blessings of that place to our hearts by bringing the person who will make that place heavenly to our hearts. That's the purpose of salvation. Then we understand that everything Christ did and provided is important. Everything. Everything as modeled by His life on earth. Everything was provided through His crucifixion, His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, and in the giving of the Holy Spirit. Everything is important. Not one part of it. Everything. The totality of it. So how can anyone say, I'll just have that, but I'm not worried about that. I'll just have my sins forgiven and go to heaven, but let's not worry about the rest. That is unbelievable disrespect to what Jesus Christ came to buy for us, die for us. Think about it. All that he did, all that he paid, all that he went through, all the mockery, all the misunderstanding, all the brutality towards him, all the whipping, everything. Even, my father, why have you forsaken me? When you died on the cross. And yet we say, no, no, I'll just have my sins forgiven and go to heaven. I trust this doesn't are heavy, but creates a hunger and a desire and a thirst in you for all this great, 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 great salvation that is brought. The great salvation is not a plan. It's not a scripture verse. It's not in rituals and holy days. It's not in one decision. 
It's not in someone declaring to you or me that you're saved. It's not some evangelist saying this. It's not some pastor saying this. It's not some teacher, your parent, or anybody saying this. Salvation is a person. Salvation isn't from a person only, but it, he, it is a person. Salvation is the person of Jesus Christ. He is our light, our strong tower, our deliverer, our truth. He did not die to send salvation. He died to become salvation. He's not just some savior because he's in heaven. No, it's because he's in you and me. So salvation is a person. Therefore, the relationship and fellowship with this person is of the most important relationship in our lives because he is our salvation, the great, great salvation. David knew this in Psalm 27, and it should come up on the, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? John 17, 3 will come up there. And I, I haven't written it down yet. It's about those. Oh, let me rather read it. Now this is eternal life, that you may know, that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is eternal life knowing Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 13. And let me just say well, what John was written. It's very key to understand why 1 John was written. 1 John was written because in those days there was Gnosticism that came in the church. It was a heresy. So John wrote this book to all the believers that they might know that they're children of God. So there's what they call signs of rebirth. There's signs that you will know that you're a child of God, so you'll never doubt it. It's a very important book. So I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know, that's why I wrote the book, that you may know, and the life is in His Son, and who has the Son has life, and who doesn't have the Son doesn't have life. So salvation is a person. Amen. This great salvation does not only include salvation from sin or salvation from hell, but includes salvation from the world in which we live, which governed us and controlled us, whose values and whose rewards we longed for before we came to know Jesus Christ. Controlled us. The Bible tells us that. So it's salvation from the world and its values and what people believe in the world, and what people put as high as important, God has delivered us from the world. Hallelujah. This great salvation not only includes salvation from the world, but includes salvation from the flesh, the self within us, from its personality and its nature, from its traits and its interests, from those habits and attitudes we had developed. And we all know about those, don't we? Salvation is from that as well. It's amazing. And trust me, I know some stuff in my life, and I know some stuff in my wife's life. No, it's easy. <laughs> this great salvation not only includes salvation from the world and the flesh, but also salvation from the devil. We were his bond slaves. He had dominion over us because of Adam and confirmed by the choices that we had made. We were under his deception and his delusion. We really were. 
So this great salvation in and through Jesus Christ not only saves us from hell and from sin, but from the world, its control and interest, from the flesh with its pull and its hold and its barbs and its snares, and from the devil with all the power and the craftiness and deception. Jesus came to set people free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Free from the fear of death, free from the fear of hell, free from the power of the world, free from the power of the flesh, and free from the devil. That is the great salvation here on this earth. Isn't that wonderful? Romans 5 tells us that Christ died for us. Romans 6 tells us that Christ died as us. Romans 8 tells us Christ wants to live in us. Put another way, Romans 6, 6, we were crucified with him. Read it. We were crucified. When Christ was crucified, we were crucified with him. That's how God the Father saw it. Romans 6, 4, we were buried with him. That's dying to the world. When we were crucified, it's dying to the flesh. Ephesians 2.5, we were made alive with Him. Ephesians 2.5, we were raised up with Him. Ephesians 2.6, we were seated with Him in heavenly places. That gives us dominion of the principalities, powers, rulers, and authorities. That's the truth of the Word, people. That is the truth of the Word. We died with Him. We were buried with Him. We were raised with Him. We ascended with Him and seated in heavenly places. Now, when we learn to, what's the right word? Uh, thank you. Appropriate that. When the Lord teaches, because that is the truth. But we've got to learn to appropriate it in our lives. And the Lord teaches us how to do that. So it's not me striving to do it. He will teach us. As God, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Who will work it in you? God will work it in you. God will work it in you to willing to act. So it's key to understand the workings and healings of God in your life and my life. So how absurd and how silly, how ridiculous, and how dishonoring to Christ to say, well, I'm not going to hell when I die, but I'm content to live in the bondage of the world and its values. Or I know my life is a mess, but at least I'm going to heaven. I know I've got personality quirks and traits. I sometimes don't tell the truth, half-truths, I gossip. Maybe I'm addicted to something, but that's okay, I'm going to heaven. Or maybe the devil seems to still have his way in my life. Can you see how absurd that is? Absolutely ridiculous. And Christ said, no, no, no. This is this great salvation that I have for you. Great, great, great salvation. I trust, of course not. Why would we live like that? Why would we live enslaved and embrace it? It is a great, great salvation. Where God, through Christ, came to redeem people who are objects of His love, with whom He would share all that He is and all that He wants to do in and through those that He loved, who won an incredible victory, that's what we're saying, 
then that victory is going to be manifested in the lives of the people that are redeemed. So the old foe, the devil, that deceived Adam and Eve, our first parents, we would go back in the world and live the victorious life that is one for us, declaring it to the principalities, powers, and rulers, and authorities. This wonderful, great salvation that is one for us. Turn with your Bibles to Ephesians 3. I'm going to end with that. It's not a long sermon. Ephesians 3. I love, and I'm going to read it in the New King James because I feel the New King James puts it a little bit better. Oops. They will put it up at the back there. Ephesians 3. Listen to this. This is what Paul writes. For this reason, all that I've told you, Ephesians 2, for this reason I bow my knees. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you've been rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, because that's revelation, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'll read that again. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Not just sins forgiven and going to heaven. All the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ through all generations for and ever and ever. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? To live in all the fullness of Christ. All the fullness of Christ. Think about that. The fullness of Christ. But to Him be the glory. We'll do it. And I love it. And it's like Paul says, Amen! Because it's such an incredible truth. Then he likes it. Whoops. Let me teach him how to walk this out. So Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is that. That's what Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is about. How to walk this truth out. I want to end with this saying. It's up on the back. To be in Christ, that is redemption. But for Christ to be in you, that is sanctification. Set apart for His life to be lived through you. To be in Christ, that makes us fit for heaven. But for Christ to be in you, that makes you fit for earth. To be in Christ, that changes your destination. But for Christ to be in you, that changes your destiny. The one makes heaven your home. The other one makes the world his workshop. That is a great salvation. That is a great salvation. I'll read it again. To be in Christ, that is redemption. But for Christ to be in you, that is sanctification. That's the process of being set apart, made holy unto him. Set apart for his life to be lived through you. 
And it's very interesting. I spoke to somebody recently who has just been brutally honest with me and just said, it's amazing. God's still dealing with me, but he still uses me to bless other people. See, God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. That's it. Just be available. He knows. He'll work it in you. Just tell people what you've seen and heard. It's that simple. What's real to you? To be in Christ, that makes us fit for heaven. But for Christ to be in you, that makes us fit for earth. To be in Christ, that changes your destination. But for Christ to be in you, that changes your destiny here on this earth. The one makes heaven your home. The other makes the world his workshop. This great salvation has freed you from sin. The power of sin from the flesh. The power of the flesh from the world. And the power of the world from the devil. And the power of the devil. This is the great salvation for you and for me. And all he requires us to do is believe. Isn't that amazing? Believe. Just keep believing me. Believe in me. I will do the rest. Work with me. I'll do the rest. So I trust this encouraged you. You'll never see salvation in a short way again. It's a great salvation, people. It's a great. Do not neglect it. Do not ignore it. I encourage you. Let God bring it to you, in you, and through you. Because it's already done. And Christ said, it is finished. Hallelujah, it is finished. So I trust this helped you. I trust this encouraged you. Because he has much, much more than we could ever think or imagine or ask. In us and through us and for this body. Amen. Over to you. Okay. I say to Clayton, when I come here, he's the boss. But when it comes to my house, I'm the boss. So. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. teasing. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it's such a, a powerful truth, this. Um, There's <laughs> so much I'm trying not to say. You've already heard a sermon. I'm just telling myself that now. Um, when I got saved, I, I it was really intense. People tell me, Clayton, you're quite intense. Has that changed? I'm really Sorry, not intense so. anymore. <laughs> but, well, I am, but not like I was. But it was intense in the flesh, you know. And I remember I told the story before. It's so arrogant. It just makes me laugh now. I gave myself one year to get rid of sin. <laughs> so I thought, okay, one year I'll deal with all the sin, and then, and then we'll just go change the world for the Lord. And, you know, mature believers just smile at me. That's <laughs> wonderful. And my dad would just keep saying to me when I'd phone him, because he was in this country already, he kept saying to me, um, let God work it in you. Let God work it in you. And, I mean, I knew the scripture, but there was such a desire for the Lord, but still a, you know, insecurity. And so I, I was praying one day, and I had a vision, strange, of a cappuccino, because I, I love coffee. And, and there was this, like, you know, the foam on top? And this foam came up from underneath and rested on top, and God came and wiped the stuff off. And he said in my heart, he said, Clayton, when I raise an issue in your life, I'll deal with it. You don't raise it, I will. That's right. And I suddenly understood what he was talking about today. Let him raise it. And because, you know, and, and 
growing up in a home, and I know he may not, where we saw God's power, really, you know, God used my parents to usher in really a whole move of God into a whole region in South Africa. And so we saw God's power. We, you know, we grew up with it, you know, salvation, deliverances, healings, and just on a weekly basis. And people look at people that minister that way or get to do that or get to, and they think of them in a different light. And they think, look at them. I'm not them. If you live with those people, you know they're just like you. And there's a lot of difficulties with growing up sometimes in like a pastor's home. But it's such a privilege because you get to see the normalcy of this great man of God, this great woman of God, which they are. They travel all over the world and do that. But when you see the normalcy, you realize... They're just people, just like you. And they just understand this. They just understand God will do it. Just be available. God will do it. So I just wondered if you could pray for us. By all means. By all means. Folk, this was just to encourage you, to really encourage you to not back down in any form or any way because you've struggled with some stuff in your life. Or things are coming up. God knows that. God wants you to walk in this great salvation. And he will teach you. He will show you how. And that's what we need to learn. I nearly preached on that today. Because as a Christian, when you sin, what do you do? Now we've gone quiet. It's reality. But the Bible tells us how to deal with it. For the children of God. Not for the unsaved. For children of God. And when we deal with it according to what the Bible says, it's wonderful. It's freeing. It's very freeing. But when you're struggling with the personality thing inside you, that you just can't seem to overcome. But the Lord knows that. He still doesn't change His word and saying, well, I can do it for everybody else, but I can't do it for you. No, it's a great salvation. It's a truth. It's a reality. It really is. That's what Paul said. I press on to take hold of that for which he took hold of me. All that's behind me are forgotten, but I press on. Press on with Christ. I'm encouraging you. Press on. Press on. Keep looking forward. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. Look forward. You can't do anything about that except put right what you need to put right, but then just keep going. Amen. If the devil can get you to look back, he's got you. That's what he tries to do. Because he knows. He knows. He knows. So why don't you stand, if you don't mind, please. We've got a few minutes. I don't want to rush this part if I can. I'm just going to come down the bottom here. Sorry. Father, just close your eyes if you can. And if you felt... The word has spoken to you today. Just open your heart to it. Father, we are so thankful for this great, great salvation. And Jesus, we thank you for every price you paid, everything you suffered and everything you went through. 
Thank you for the shedding of your precious, precious blood. Thank you for the victory that you won. And Holy Spirit, we thank you because all that the Father purposed and all that the Son did, you work in us. And we say to you today, Holy Spirit, continue to have your way in our lives. And if you can honestly pray that prayer, pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Teach me. Reveal to me. Show me this great, great salvation. Thank you. Folk, let's just give it a few more minutes. Let, it's like in Genesis, the Holy Spirit hovered over and then God spoke. Let the Holy Spirit hover over us as He has the whole morning. Give Him time to take the truth that needs to be taken to you personally and begin to sow it into your heart. Let that seed go deep. Let the seed find good soil, receptive soil, pliable soil. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know I have done this before. Keep your eyes closed. But if you, and it's just, because we're just cooperating with God here. If you are aware of His presence right now, you just raise your hand. You say, Lord, thank you. I'm aware you're doing something. I don't know what it is, but I'm just aware and I want to acknowledge that. That's it. Simple as that. Father, I review. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for your sons and your daughters. Thank you for your sons and your daughters. Thank you for your sons and your daughters. And you will display your splendor through your sons and your daughters. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Bless you. Thank you.